0: Never alone with Joe and
1: Mark. Hi everyone and welcome to Hashtag Never Alone, season three, episode nine. We are finally back after like two months. Um, I do apologise for that. Um have been busy with other projects and unfortunately had a flu. Um, yeah, it's, I am your lived experience host, Joe Ambridge.
0: Yeah, and I'm psychotherapist and relationship counsellor, Mark for Building, and Joe's co-host.
1: Um, And yeah, you might have been seeing a few different like uh, posts and stuff on social media saying big announcement coming soon, Um, and we're going to announce that now, um, and I will also share on socials after this episode. This will unfortunately be my last episode with hashtag Never Alone, um, and the last episode with the name hashtag Never Alone, I am going to work on another project soon, um, and Mark will be carrying on the... Project? Do you want to tell our listeners what the new name's going to be?
0: Yeah, so we're going to, you know, so we're going to rebrand. I mean, obviously, you know, personally, very upset that Joey's Joey's leaving. I mean, Joey's still going to be the creative genius behind the scenes, which is, you know, which is good news for me. But uh, yeah, so we're going to rebrand basically, and uh, and I'm I'm going to host, and and the, the kind of spec of the show will remain fairly constant. I mean, I'll, I'll probably initially interview a few more professionals. Um, I mean, we're still going to keep carry on with season three. And we're into recovery now, the second part of season three. So that will continue. Um, but we're going to rebrand to um, hashtag psychotherapy unfold. Um, and you'll see that rebranding on our social media and um, and obviously on Spotify and you know, and all of the kind of platforms yeah. where you access the podcast. So, yeah. so it's exciting times, but you're obviously really sad to be losing Joe from the team. Yeah,
1: I'm sad to be going. I feel like I'm letting a child go letting <laughs> something else into the world. Um, yeah we've got a new theme song which you guys will hear next week on the on the next episode um, today's episode is on shamanic healing and we are joined by Kate Claire, who will be chatting a little bit about recovery and shamanic healing um, yeah so did, did you want to introduce yourself Kate
2: Oh yeah, sorry. Um, as you've already said, I'm Kate Clare and um, I started Shamanic Practice um, about eight years ago after a nervous breakdown where I sort of found myself in bed and wanting to um, not be here anymore and I thought I've got to find a new way of being in the world and so I accidentally found myself at an ayahuasca ceremony. Well, it wasn't an accident um, but that's another podcast um, and the people there were talking about these totems and these energies and these directions, and I was absolutely drawn in and fascinated, and it became a bit of a calling. And um, here I am teaching eight years later, um, and uh, it's not a—it's not an understatement to say it saved my life, really.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, so in terms of I'm thinking about the theme of you know so season three. So, in, in terms of your recovery you know, from being at such a low air, but I mean, you know, maybe not, co- you know, no, I guess there's maybe some synchronicity there. So, you know, the, the shamanic kind of discipline appeared to you and that's really helped you move forward in your own life and, you know, you've subsequently trained and our, you know, sh- shamanic practitioner yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, it just, um, so, I mean, I'll tell you a li- little bit about the, I mean, shamanic practice is a huge topic and there are um, Indigenous people all over the world. Um, who are shamanic practitioners, shamans in fact, um, and the tradition that I discovered accidentally that day was um, what is the tradition of the Kero people in the Andes, um, and their story is that they disappeared up the mountains away from the Spanish 500 years ago when, when the conquistadors got there, uh, to keep partly to keep themselves safe and also to keep the teachings safe, and they have a lot of prophecies around when they will hand out the teachings and you know, relating to um, world events that we're aware of. When the snow cap mountains, snow caps on the mountains melt, they go down. They start to give out the teachings. When there's wars over oil, they give the next set of teachings. And so they they keep giving them out. And um, thankfully, I was around one day when I heard somebody talking about them. Um, and it's a, it's a very it's a very very clever way of just dealing with your problems and you you start in one direction and you deal with the wounds that you're aware of and you you think okay well so I think my first one was that I you know felt rejection I felt shame was another one you pick three you work through those there are some energies around um you know I can't I can't say this is all a you know a a practical prospect there are things going on synchronicities as you said Mm. and I can't explain and then you move into the next direction, which is the west, and you start working on um, your triggers. You're not, you're not aware of what those are in the beginning, but I, I became aware of the triggers that I was holding in my nervous system. And uh, you slowly work your way through the directions uh, and you you end up with all this, all this healing that's absolutely incredible. But it's just done in the most amazing bite-sized chunks that you can just cope with. Three wounds, your wounds with your nervous system you move into the north that's really interesting because that covers what we now call dissociation um they talk about soul retrievals um and i sort of realized as i was in this direction working with it working with the teachings that actually a lot of what they're talking about is dissociation from trauma And when they're mentioning the ancestors, they're talking about epigenetics. They're talking about all the things that have been passed down to us from the people that have come before us. And of course, Bruce Lipton's is the genius on epigenetics. And his um, sort of uh, outlook is, okay? maybe you can't change your environment, but you can change your attitude to it. And you can begin to switch off those genes that perhaps are making you anxious or perhaps causing you to be overweight. And you can you can turn your life around by changing your perspective on your environment. That's that's North teachings. And these these teachings are potentially thousands of years old. We don't know because there aren't actually any written records, but it is supposed that and um, they could be up to 5,000 years old because the Inca, these teachings were from the Incan empire, but the Inca just sort of brought different people into their empire and didn't ask them to change or be different. They just, okay, well, we're going to trade with you. Um, they didn't try and squash any religious or shamanic practices. They, they just let everybody carry on as they were before. It was, a, it was more a sort of economical agreement between the different people that became part of the empire. So these teachings could be thousands of years old. And one of the most fascinating things that i found with it is one of the first healings that you do, that you learn, when somebody is then talking about how they want to release a problem or a pain, you put your fingers right under their ear, under their earlobes. Now this is the only place on the body where you can touch the vagus nerve which of course was only discovered in the 1920s and we of really got into the idea of how it affects the body and our behavior in more recent times And I think the 90s with Stephen Porges so yeah. these teachings are ancient and yet they've got all this modern wisdom um, and yeah they've absolutely transformed my life and I yeah I'm, I'm just absolutely over the moon with it obviously you can tell I'm really passionate about it I absolutely love teaching this to people um, so yeah, I, I could talk all day. I will let you ask another question.
0: <laughs> did, did you want to come in, Jo?
1: Yes, yeah, so when did you kind of decided you needed to like get help to start your journey to recovery?
2: Um, well, I, I was I was having a nervous breakdown, which I didn't realise was a nervous breakdown at that time. If I if I look back on my childhood, I thought it was okay, that great British sentiment of not too bad. I thought it was all right really, but um, cut forward 40 years and, and I'm in bed and I'm just crying all the time and I really didn't know why. And I, I didn't want to be here, I didn't want to get up, I had pneumonia, I'd hurt my back. I thought I was physically ill, but I also just like, I can't go on at like this. I don't know, I don't know how I don't know how to be in this life, in this world. Um, I, I don't want to be here anymore, but I, I've got three children. I was a single parent. Um, I knew that that wasn't an option for me to, to end my life. I knew that I, I had to keep going. Uh, and I, so I started to realize that perhaps there was another way that I didn't have to stay in the sort of template for living that I had that was in my brain. Perhaps I could find a different way to be in the world. And and I started to to look around, and I that's when I sort of found this ayahuasca ceremony, which I'd wanted to do for a long time. Um, but that wasn't what was transformational. That's very interesting, uh, interesting part of the story. But it wasn't um, transformation. I tell you, I tell you one thing that happened in it though that that really sort of helped me shift. My perspective was that I I didn't get any sort of journey when I first did it. And I was extremely upset about that. But this voice did come in at the end and say to me, your mother didn't love you and didn't want you. And I was absolutely in shock about this. I just sat up. It was like a voice had been in my ear and I just sat up and I just, what are you talking about? And I didn't believe it. And I left early and I drove home because I couldn't even speak to the people. I was so upset about this. What do you mean my mother didn't love me? Of course she loved me. And in the end, what I realised was perhaps it wasn't that she never loved me, never wanted me. But that's how she felt some of the time. And honestly, as a mother, I, I can relate to those feelings. You know, as an adult, as a mother, it's, it's, not, it's not an easy prospect being a parent. So I, I came to have a perspective of perhaps if, if you know, I, I looked at it that way sometimes, I could see why she behaved the way that she did. And it just sort of opened this whole way of seeing that actually it had been quite bad as a child. My mother was an alcoholic and she was pretty violent. Um, but of course, I didn't have any perspective. I didn't have any other context. To me, it was, it was what it was and it didn't seem too bad compared to other people that I talked to. Um, and as an adult, having a nervous breakdown, I was sort of able to look back and go, actually, it was, it was pretty traumatic. And that's why I'm in all this pain. And that's why I don't want to be here anymore. Um, but thankfully, um, because I've got these beautiful children in my life, well, they're adults now, but um, I was able to look around and think, oh, I've got I've got to change this. I've got to be the one to change. I can't change the circumstances. I've got to find another way to think about my life and and how I was feeling within it so yeah and and yeah as Mark mentioned synchronistically um opportunities came my way and I was able to tap into those and make the best of them and uh, yeah I'm eternally grateful to the people that have come before me um with all these teachings.
0: Mm. And, and the synchronicity piece, so, you know, I mean, I'm a real believer in synchronicity, I mean, I look back over my own life, but yeah, I mean, maybe we don't always realise, you know, the synchronous phenomena going on at the time, but there are these gates, aren't they? You know, I think when you look back, and I guess this is one for you, Kate, okay, you know, you would reach the end of your tether, you know, I mean, it's, lots of people do reach that point, you know, wanting to give up, you know, the ways of being in the world, you know, are, are, are no longer working, and then all of a sudden, this, you know, this teaching, which is thousands and thousands of years old, just opened up to you a whole new path, a whole new way of being became possible for you, and you walk down that path, and it's completely changed your life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty profound, really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, it is, it is. I mean, like, I, just, I, I stop and I wonder, is this a religious experience? Sometimes, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure. um It's very practical, but yeah, there are energies at work that I. I can't mm. account for you know and things that I've been given to understand and I, I don't know how I know that I've got no scientific base and I'm really interested in science and I'm almost the last person I, I would have thought would be doing something like this you know so 10 years ago I just I wouldn't have even I just said what you I'm going to be doing that you must be joking um what a nonsense but um yeah it, it just it came my way and I was so desperate <laughs> I thought I'd give anything a go and I never thought I was going to do a healing on another person that to me was just like no if I feel better that's all I need and and then I started to do the healings because I it was money I'd spent money to go and do this training um, and, and a lot of time I thought okay I'm gonna have a go at doing some healings on people and, and they were really grateful for those things. <laughs> and it, it okay I'll do some more and okay would you get invited to do the teacher training it's not something you can just opt to do and I was um very thankfully invited and I, I'm not going to teach other people that's you know that's not a thing for me uh I still just wanted to feel better um and then as soon as I've done it I just started and it's you know I can be a bit and saying oh, i think this is my purpose in life is to teach this now yeah um, i don't you know, think I'm that's cool next year so you know you never yeah. know when these things can happen to you
0: yeah i think well i think when a, when a life path opens up i think you just have to be open to it and unfortunately you know i mean modern society you know i mean the, the way it's set up you I know mean, I, I guess there's no there's no real place for that is there you know in a um, materialistic and, society but being open i think to different paths i think is important i just i just wanted to you in in Just talking about kind of I don't know where, where Kate was I mean that that's I mean that's a place that you have been Joe as well isn't it yeah you know you your well, last step I mean, yeah.
1: funny what you're saying about like how now you look back and you kind of have a different perspective I, I found that with growth you get a perspective like you need that growth look back and see where you were and say yeah I was in a tough place but it's led to me where where I am now I found like I was in a really dark place for maybe four years ago now I think it was and like <laughs> it's just crazy how far I've come and almost like you need that to happen as horrible it is to happen sometimes you need that to give yourself that push in the right direction
2: yeah I wouldn't change it I I I, I do I think about this sometimes I like, would I would I change any of it I don't know maybe some little tweaks <laughs> but overall um I'm grateful for all of it really and you know if I'm gonna you know talk shamanically we would say things like well you know this is the life we've chosen and you know we've come into this lifetime to have this experience and that can seem incredibly trite when you're talking about people living in poverty and with horrible diseases um but it's something that I do feel into from time to time you know particularly in terms of forgiving other people that have really hurt me because my mother did not have a nice life for sure she had a terrible time as an alcoholic and I think that probably you know part of our issues is she was um she was mentally ill seriously mentally ill and uh, she's passed a little bit of that down to us as well and um so you know if, it, if it's true that uh you know I chose this life and my mother chose her life in order for me to have this experience I'm actually really humbled by it because you know it was a big thing it was a big thing
0: yeah and, and i don't want to just to shift around a little bit i mean just to when you were talking about you know stephen porges and goodness me you know i mean you know we could talk for hours about his work which fascinated and epigenetics, epigenetics and the ancestors i mean kind of similarly to buddhist psychology you know i mean in buddhist psychology you know, there's a real, you know, there's a real link to, you know, to cover, you know, modern science. And I guess this is what you're saying about shamanic practice—that you know, yeah. modern science and shamanic practice are kind of joining up a little bit. Absolutely, know, modern, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, um, you know, there's,
2: there's a lot of similarities between, um, Buddhist practice and, uh, the work that, um, the work that I do, um, and. I also, I just sort of do, this is mountain work, technically, it's from the, the mountains in Peru. I also do um, work with the jungle, um, the Amazon, um, to do with uh, plant medicines, but not drinking plant medicines, what they call incantation work. And it's singing the same um and ah vowels that are found in the Bhagavad Gita. Mm. It does seem that there is, you know, one, link of teachings between all of these practices um and thankfully you know with people like graham hancock who i absolutely love he's just Mm. been pulling all these threads together for the last 20 years isn't he for us and saying here look look at all of this so and you know he was really um sort of disregarded in the beginning but everybody's starting to you know the scientific community is starting to say actually there's something here and agree with him now and that's happening more and more you have scientists studying things like pan um oh gosh what's gone for me oh sorry it's completely gone that way <laughs> I okay. can't remember what it is but it's to do with the consciousness of everything and animism is is the the shamanic term or the, the way that we label um shamanic people that believe that there is a consciousness in everything but there is also um panpsychism that's it uh there's also scientists looking at that could inanimate objects be conscious and um, I'm gonna sit here and sound out of my tree and say yes, I believe so. Um, my experiences are that I've actually had teachings from some of them, um, but you know that's uh, that's that's a little more out there than you know. Oh well, I've got some crystals and we're doing some healings. You know, people accept that that's that's uh, that's something that we we know might be true now. But yeah, science is catching up. It's still got a long way to go.
0: But, but, you know, I mean, human beings thinking, you know, I mean, this was like, you know, this was the old thinking, wasn't it, that, you know, human beings are the only really conscious beings on the planet, you know, and that is, I mean, that's totally trite, isn't it? I mean, it's just this typical human arrogance. I mean, why would everything not not be conscious? You know, there's a, there's a wiring under the boards for me, you know, that, that perhaps is just kind of coming to the fore now you know and, and maybe it needs to because you know we're destroying the earth aren't we so you know some yeah. of these teachings from indigenous cultures are becoming more and more you know important you know and, and coming into the mainstream more and you know and hopefully that will create change I mean I, what, what just moving on a little bit I mean if somebody comes to you and you know and they're, they're wanting to you know to kind of benefit from some of the healing and the teachings what, what, what does that look like what what would you do it depends what they come with I would I would guess but
2: depends what they come with i i I, i've had a few people this year come and say oh i I don't i don't know what i don't know what i i I want from you but there's something here for me and and i they're typically people that probably um will come on the course and start to study with me um and other than that people people quite often soul retrieval is quite a big thing that people people have heard of they they sort of it's done in a few different um traditions so soul retrieval is, is often a phrase that they'll come and use. I think I need a soul retrieval. But what I actually do is I work with a mesa, which is a shame I can't um show you on, on this podcast, but it's a bundle of stones or crystals or sacred objects, different, there's there's actually different um sort of families within the Kero people and they work slightly differently. But I work with a mesa that has different crystals and stones in, and each one has a story. So as I was saying about the wounds, people come and they, when, when, they, when you first start to learn, you, you pick three wounds. Mine currently are um, a trauma stone. And um, I've got a, a, an angel archetype, which is to do with um, abandonment. And I've got another one to do with gender. And if somebody picks one of those, I know what the story is. I'll tell them my story. And, I, and I'll ask them how that's relevant to, to, to what they need. So it, it becomes almost like a like psychotherapy session, in fact, you know, but it, it will be around a specific topic. So they will come, they'll say, this is my problem. This is what I think I'd like. And I'll say, okay, well, I'd like you to pick one of these stones And this. So there's like several different healings and the stones have different healings and different stories. And We start to unfold and uncoil the stories um, and see where, the, where they're at and, and how we can, You know continue to heal from them after they've gone from the session so people get homework to do you know easy things it's not difficult um and it's not something you come back over and over again for you might come once every three months if you wanted to come Uh, and so that's how we that's how we work with this this mesa
0: And the, inter- and the group dynamic as well is also interesting so, so so some of the teaching will be done in will be done in groups is that is that all of the teaching or will some of it well, be one-to-one
2: one? I'm actually just looking at putting together a an online course with a final a final lesson because this there's, there's sort of it's like a week of teachings to get to the first part um and unfortunately life is getting more and more expensive for people it's difficult for them to come in person because there's travel expenses and staying overnight uh they come for four or five days um so i'm putting together a course an online course but up until recently up until that quite recently we've been working in groups so yeah people come and create a group energy it's really it's really a it's a really special thing actually and What often happens is there's a huge overlap of the wounds that people come with. I'll say, right, you've got to bring three crystals and three wounds with you, and you know, we're going to, you know, create these sacred stones for you to heal other people. And there's a huge overlap. Everybody's everyone's dealing with the same, the same issues. They're sad about feeling rejected, feeling shame. Big one um, is people feeling overly responsible. You know, they've been programmed by their parents that they've got to be the parent and they've got to look after um, yeah. the, the adults in the house somehow. And they're responsible for their feelings. So they, they end up being people pleasers and they, they don't have to get out of that. That's a big one. But yeah, they always overlap um, and people, people are really grateful for that. They, they know that they're not alone and it seems an easier thing to work, work free from when there's other people to talk to about it. And it gives it gives everybody a chance for compassion as well towards themselves. Because when you're practicing, I'll say to them, so this person's picked this, this stone of yours and it's this wound, it's this wound pertaining to feeling responsible for other people. How do you feel for this person that's lying on the couch? Oh, I feel loads of compassion. I feel, you know, I really want to help them. And I say, well, that's you, that's your story. And that's always a moment where they go, oh, Oh, yes. Oh, you need to feel compassion for yourself because you're really hard on yourself. We're all so hard on ourselves all the time, aren't we? Um, and, and this gives people an opportunity to reflect that they deserve compassion. They deserve understanding. And, and then yeah, we work to slowly uncoil these, these wounds, these patterns, these stories, the stories that people tell ourselves, this is what we're all guilty of. You know, We just project so much. Um, and so that's yeah, that's that's what happens with a group. It is particularly beautiful experience. Um, so I'm I'm reticent about the online courses because we do lose an aspect of that. But equally, it's um, it is the way of the world now. It's the way life has gone since COVID.
0: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I hear you about the online work, but yeah, maybe you do lose a little bit of it. But but the accessibility. I mean, people can access that, you know, with the, your, you know, the, your course and from everywhere, can't they? I mean, the accessibility yeah, 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 is exactly. fantastic. So people that yeah. wouldn't be able to access it normally, it makes it accessible. So for me, I think that is really important. I mean, Joe, did you did you want to come in, Joe?
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask. So if people wanted to get a hold of you, where would they find you? If you've got like a website and stuff like that.
2: Um, yeah, I've got a website. Sorry, shamanic healing um so it's sorry shamanic healing all one word sorry com, and um my yeah my there's a contact sheet on the website um i'm terrible at uh, social media i'm aiming to get better um but instagram is kate claire so they're, they're c-a-t-e-c-l-a-r-e and um yeah i will make more of an effort awesome. <laughs> i promise <laughs> yeah. hey,
0: could I ask, you, is there practice you'll do on your own? Like, like you know, in the Buddhist model, there'll be meditation and practice it, within the shamanic um, tradition. I mean, it, are there practices that, that the people in the tradition will do kind of on their own, will do maybe as part of their mental health scaffolding, like every day or?
2: Yes, yes. Do you know, the first thing that you do on the first day is we learn something called Pintu prayers. And they're... they're um, they're gratitude prayers, basically, and they're traditionally done with coca leaves, which obviously are illegal in this country because they are um, the ingredient for cocaine. But uh, you, you can work with bay leaves, any leaf, and you pick three leaves and you have three things that you're grateful for. Traditionally, that is to represent the lower, the middle and the upper world. but you can just find three things and it's it's absolutely an incredible practice and i i recently read um the chimp paradox by Steve. yeah Yeah. he talks about in that book how the more grateful you are literally the more blood flows to the prefrontal cortex and the more you live in fear the more blood will flow to the amygdala the chimp brain the animal brain so This is this is a really simple, basic practice that takes 20 seconds out of your day. And um, it it's literally changing the way that your brain's functioning uh, to to make you a happier person. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? It's just that this can't be the way out of feeling depressed. And yet it is. So that's the most basic thing that we, we learn. And I I always encourage students, you know, if you're having a bad time, you must do this. You must go and get the leaves or, you know, you you can write them down. It doesn't have to be. But you've got to go and actually do something that sets aside just that 20 seconds for the day where you think and you write down or you use some leaves to think of three things that you're grateful for. And when I was sort of researching this, I, I came across some statistics about, you know, countries that have fresh drinking water in their taps it's only a handful only handful of us most of the billions of people in the world don't have fresh drinking water in their tap in their kitchen we are so fortunate in this country and half the half the world doesn't have a toilet i think it's two billion people don't have a toilet we can be grateful for those two things If you can't think of anything in your life to be grateful for you can be grateful for those two two simple things because um, having to go get water is a massive undertaking for people all over the world so you know it's, it can be really simple and but you must do it you have to set aside that 30 seconds um, but there's loads of practices there's a lot of work around journeying so that will be journeying to totems to energies um, if you're talking about different shamanic practices then in Mongolia there's a lot of journeying to spirits spirit guides In the practice that I work with, it's journeying to specific energies, like the totem energies of the south, which is serpent. We have jaguar in the west, hummingbird in the north, eagle in the east. And and these will be the the main journey totems that you'll go to. And it's a bit like a meditation, uh, like a visualisation that you work through yourself. Um, So, yeah, there's lots of practices that people can use on their own or yeah, in a group. I mean, to be honest, when you're working in a group, it's a lot of the same practices. you're just in a group together,
0: doing them, you know yeah, yeah and again, you know, I just to pick up on a few things you said, but again, the group dynamic, I mean like meditating in a group, i meditating on your own, I think is you know such an important practice, and there's lots of different ways, as you say, you know it also fits into the shamanic tradition, but being in a group, i mean just uh, there's something that something transcendent i think that happens when
2: i really i've never i've not done i've not done meditation
0: but but also just picking up on some of it like self-compassion i mean i'm just linking what you're saying to to modern psychotherapy so self-compassion you know, I mean, that is something that, you know, has come into the fore in modern in modern psychotherapy over the last few years. There's a psychologist called Christine Neff, who's written quite a lot of really, really good stuff on self-compassion, incredibly important in human beings. We, we're not always self-compassionate. Lots of reasons for that. You know, social construction is probably one of them, but there's probably lots of reasons for that. And also what you were saying about gratitude, you know, I mean, there's, there is so much research on on the benefits of gratitude for the brain. You know, there's a guy who's... Stephen Emming, I think, who who was the initial researcher who studied the effects on the brain of gratitude. He's a big, you know, gratitude diaries is something that I would recommend to clients. It literally takes three seconds. You just fill in three things you're grateful for every day. And and as you say, Kate, it literally rewires the brain. Like, you know, we all have a negativity bias and there's the primal reason for that. You know, if we're walking through, you know, the forest, is it a snake or is it a stick? You know, the brain is always going to think it's a snake because we need to survive. However, you know, in modern society, always looking at the negative is really damaging for our mental health. But, you know, focusing on gratitude, literally you rewire your brain in order to look for things that are positive, you know, and in terms of depression, you know, you see it sounds like such a small thing, doesn't it? But mm. massive, yeah. absolutely massive. You know, it's yeah. so interesting. It, it, it's also part of the shamanic tradition. And it's fascinating. Okay.
2: I think also there's a ritual involved there's something about the ritual involved that also kind of sets the brain into a certain way of thinking so it's not enough to just think "Oh, i'm grateful for this and this and this you've got to actually just go and perform a little task if that's mm-hmm. writing it down that's fine or typing it into your phone even potentially You've got to actually just make a commitment to do something practical surrounding it. I I I find anyway, um, because otherwise it doesn't it doesn't work as effectively. So you know you can go and light a candle and say it out loud three things that you're grateful for, or some incense, or you know go and stand outside. But you create a little ritual around what you're doing, and that is that is the that's the biggest sort of way of of accelerating that that process as well.
0: Yeah, you're staying with it. I mean, again, just translating it into like you know psych- psychological language. Like, there's a there's a thing in psychology like state to trait. So you know you you can yeah you can do something. You can maybe just think about that attitude for two seconds. You know, and you create that state in your brain. But if you're ritualizing it, then you're you you're, you're creating a trait. You're changing it from like a you know transient state to part of your brain, which is the trait. Which I guess is what you're saying, isn't it? Ritualistic yeah. aspect. Yeah. Joe, did you Yeah, um, the
1: last question was um, what's your favourite coping strategy?
2: Um, <clears throat> coping strategy. So I mean apart from the Kintu prayers, which I you know I I do I do try and do, I probably do most days. What I've what I've um I've I've been able to come into a sort of a more advanced state. It's not potentially something that you would just do when you first start this work, but Um, looking for the mirror is a really really good way when you're upset of finding out what's upsetting you and actually looking at yourself and it's not easy it's simple but it's not easy Um, and so I recently had a I recently had a an incident with a friend a really good friend actually where she was unhappy with something that um that I had done and uh it was it was um and she made a big joke about it she made this big joke in front of this group of women that we were having a retreat together and i was just like oh gosh i was i was actually quite you know quite upset about it and and i sat there and now what i can do is i say where's the mirror where's the mirror for this how am i treating somebody else in this way that they don't like and unfortunately for me, I had just done the teachings with my daughter and she had just come to me and well, she'd come to a group of people in front of me that I was teaching. And, well, you've caused this wound, mum. You've taken the mickey out of me too many times. And I was quite young and I didn't understand and I just felt really wounded. And And so I had to sit there and go, where's the mirror? Oh, OK. Yeah. I've done this to my daughter and this is exactly how she has felt at times when she was too young to really understand it because it was all about the joke and the laugh. So I first of all say, where's the mirror? Find the mirror. Trust me, if somebody's done something to upset you, you will find a mirror where you have done something similar to them and you have to take that moment and hold on to it. And then when you've done that, you can say, okay, so where's my wound? And you can follow the story back. And I managed to find, follow the story back to a moment where um, someone had lied about me in dance class. It was, it was really odd. I I would have forgotten this memory completely, but um, this girl had just gone to the teacher and made a whole load of lies about me. and, And I was in a lot of trouble and I didn't understand why. And I didn't say anything. I never said a word. I just sat and took this telling off from this teacher, like thinking, why has this girl done this to me? If I follow that back, i come to the point where I would freeze. So fight, flight or freeze, I would freeze in the face of my alcoholic mother wanting to come and wallop me. Just freeze, hope she passes, hope she goes away. Um, And and then I can find, I found the wound and it's just finding it releases a little bit. So this is advanced practice, but this this is how I often cope now. I look for the mirror, I look for the wound, and then I look for the, the the underlying thing, which in this case was the freeze um, that I had to put up with. I had to deal with um, all my childhood. And I still go to, unfortunately. So I'm trying to release that now.
0: Yeah, I mean, that practice sounds really, really interesting. I mean, it's a real zooming out, isn't it? I mean, I, I know we push for time, but I just wanted to ask one last question. Just And this might be difficult to answer in a short amount of time. But I mean, what, what do the shamanic traditions offer? I don't know kind of the planet really I mean the planet at the moment is crying out for you know for healing isn't it I'm just wondering what the shamanic it's probably a difficult thing for you to answer well
2: it's kind of not really I mean I I, I, it's not visual or I'd show you my thing you know that I work with um because I I now think of every stone that I come across I've had teachings from stones, which sounds absolutely nuts. I appreciate that. And I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying this 10 years ago, as I've mentioned. But when you come into that place where, you know, the water, the rivers, the trees can teach you something. um, Particularly if you work with any sort of plant medicines and that could be cacao, which is, you know, the the basis of chocolate in this this country, it's easy to get. Um, You start to realize that there are so many consciousnesses beyond ours beyond our little brains our little feelings um and there's a whole planet you know the whole the whole of the earth can have a consciousness the moon yeah. sun everything and then of course you are aware you know, if you've got awareness of that sort that um that you know you're talking about hurting a living consciousness yeah suddenly you you are having a different, a different approach to the things that you would do. You know, are you going to throw that litter? I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody that does that particularly, but you know, I am more careful about where I just go for a walk. If I pull a stick off a tree, which I just used to might have done before, I wouldn't do that sort of thing now. And it, so it offers time, Shamanic practice I think offers time to appreciate and to sit in a moment and and in those moments you're just going to have a different view of the earth and and how important it is the one thing that does always amuse me however is when people say oh we're killing the planet we're not killing the planet we're killing the environment that we need to live the planet will go on and create a billion species after us yeah true so we're not killing the planet we're going to kill ourselves um and that's the thing that we need to remember more than anything um you know if, if, if that does happen, hopefully a more kind and appreciative species will come up to, um, to take our place. But I think shamanic, shamanic practices is, is about time and awareness, patience and the Kero people that um, who I obviously have one of the teachings of have a really big um, a big thing about need they call it. But it's reciprocity and balance and what you you take. give something for normally in advance a lot of offerings are done very simple offerings making a little mandala on the floor on a forest when you go out for a walk using the fallen leaves it's an offering of gratitude of thanks so uh, there's a lot of talk and consideration of if we're taking something we're putting something back as well and that goes between people and that goes between animals and people and and the world and 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 all of all of our one of our day-to-day activities to
0: try and think about balance and reciprocity. Mm. Uh, I have to say I think that's really beautiful really I mean that really is yeah. the kind of attitude that the earth needs right now isn't it you know it's so interesting that some of these you know the, some of these teachings from indigenous people are coming mm. to the fore because you know this is what the earth needs we you know we've, we've become so disconnected from yeah. the earth you know as people you know and these and these teachings reconnect us I mean it's really that's really wonderful yeah okay yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's my passion obviously yeah. i kind of um, found it late in life but i'm i'm extremely grateful i'm extremely grateful to the people that have you know which I'm, I'm following in somebody else's footsteps that's gone up the mountains to find the Kero and brought these teachings down you know it's yeah. not an easy process to go to the middle of the jungle or the middle of the andes and find these teachings um so I'm I'm eternally grateful for those people that have, have gone and done that and made it so easy for me you know so it's easy for me to go to Peru and meet the kero now you know I can go and do that um whenever they are available they're extremely busy people um considering that they've <laughs> recently come down the mountains they are wanted all over the world and they take great delight in in, in seeing the world and meeting all the people um, and they are they're in great demand because they carry this sort of very beautiful simplicity with them and yet they've got these incredibly wonderful complex teachings I've got so much to offer everybody. Um, but uh, the fact that I'm not the person that had to go and find them has made it very easy for me and I'm extremely grateful to my teachers
0: but, but then you do link to all of that ancestral history
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You can, you can. Yeah, I've, I've gone into that. Um, you have certain initiations that you become an Earth keeper. So that's what I have promised to do through these initiations. And the idea is the reciprocity is that I will always be looked after. I will always have enough, and in return, I will do whatever is asked of me. And at the moment, it's passing on these teachings to people. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to bring them back into the world. According to the prophecies of the Kera people from hundreds of years
0: ago. I mean, just before we finish, is, is there anything else? You mentioned a book. I mean, is there is there anything else that you know you like our listeners? If our listeners want to get in touch with, if they want to learn more, is there anything else that you'd like to oh just bring um, in? Yeah.
2: Well, so I had the book is being edited at the moment, so I can't I can't recommend <laughs> you go and buy it. Um, it's called Um, A Beautiful Life which is my sort of looking back on all the rubbish times um, and all the good times, and it realizing that overall it's beautiful and that I'm grateful for it. Um, so yeah, if you see that in passing, then <laughs> that's mine. Um, uh, it's not out yet, uh, but it just through the website really, um, or if you message me on social media, which I will definitely make an effort to go and look at and um, to put some content on. I've been meaning to for quite a while. Um, so yeah, just through that really through the website and the and the social media you can find me there. and Hop on a a, a and then an online course that I'm starting. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, how, how do they access the online courses? So they just access through your website? So just
2: through me. And once we sort out um you know timetables um then I will let them know when they start um so I can they they overlap so I don't they don't start you don't have to wait um potentially this is 10 12 weeks for the next one to start we can start midway so yeah
0: okay great midway. and in terms of the book I mean I hope it's okay to say I mean I've you know I've Kate kindly allowed me to read a draft the book and when it does come out I would recommend it to our listeners I'd it to be fantastic so yeah so thank thank you, Kate. Yeah. Thank you
1: welcome um, nice. Yeah. well thank you for joining us nice. Kate um, and thank you again for Mark for um, helping co-host and I just want to say a massive thank you to all our listeners that have tuned in since season one and um, the early stages of the video podcast <laughs> um, and thank you to Mark for helping co-host I'm sad to be going but I'm moving on to bigger pastures and stuff <laughs> next time you guys will see my name hopefully in <laughs> director credits um, yeah in yeah crazy massive thank you to everyone that supported us during the podcast all the guests we've had um mark obviously will be carrying it on and i wish you all the best with everything um (laughs) and yeah goodbye thank you guys everyone um yeah thanks guys
0: okay thank you thanks for coming on kate
2: oh pleasure pleasure